Well, good evening, everybody. Merry Christmas to all of you on this wonderful Christmas Eve. My name is Tim Park. I serve as our lead pastor here at E-Free Church. If you are visiting, if you are a guest, a special welcome to you tonight. Many of you, I've seen you before. This morning I saw you. And so we're back here tonight. Thank you for being back here. Uh, I'm still enjoying just the, the, uh, the delicious chili that we had this afternoon. That was incredible. We had wonderful refreshments. And so uh, we're back at it tonight, and it's so great to be here on this Christmas Eve. Thank you. Thank you for being here on this special evening. You know, this morning I shared a Christmas message, and the title of the message this morning was, the story of our Savior, part one. I'll give you one guess as to the title of tonight's message. That's right. The story of our Savior, part two. And here at Ephraim Church, we are currently in a series on Sunday mornings through the Gospel of John. And the title of the series is The Wonders of Jesus. We're making our way through the Gospel of John, and this weekend we conclude chapter 1. There are 21 chapters in the Gospel of John, and today culminates the first chapter of this incredible Gospel. And right in the middle of chapter 1 is this important passage that is perfect for the occasion, for this season. And if you have a Bible, I invite you to turn to John chapter 1. Now I'm going to read to you verse 14 and then verses 16 to 18. And you can also follow along up here on the screen as well. John chapter 1, I'll read to you verse 14 and then verses 16 to 18. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Would you bow with me? I want to go before the Lord and ask for his blessing upon his word. Thank you, God, for this season. Thank you for Jesus. And tonight, as we celebrate him, I pray that you would do a wonderful work in this place. Teach us through your word in a way that would bring us hope and transform our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I have four simple points to this two-part message. And this morning I shared the first two points of this two-part message, and tonight I'm going to share with you the final two. But here are the four points that I'll be sharing by the end of this evening. And so this morning we looked at the story of our Savior, part one, and we looked at the sign, and then the solution. And then tonight we're going to look at the surprise and the sacrifice. Now we talked about the sign this morning. We also talked about the solution. For those who are here this morning, I told you that I would play a game with the kids tonight involving signs. So kids, I need your help. Pastor Tim needs your help tonight. In just a minute, I'm going to show you a series of signs. 
And kids, I want you to tell Pastor Tim the name of that place or restaurant or store. Okay, so you might see these signs when you're in your car with your parents, driving along the freeway, or maybe pulling into a shopping center. But when I show you a picture, you'll see the sign, but you won't see the name of the place or the restaurant or the store. All right, kids, you ready? Uh, all the big kids, you can answer silently, all right? Until we need help. And I'm going to start out really easy. We'll start out very easy and then get a little bit more challenging. All right, kids, ready? I'm going to show you the first sign, and you tell me what this place is. Take a look. In and out. That one is easy, right? That is so easy. You're right. So in and out burger. All right, so you get the idea. So we're all familiar with that sign. So when you're on the freeway and you look at that arrow, you know it's time to get off. <laughs> and isn't it true, no, no matter what shopping center you're in, if there's an in and out, you know it's there just by the smell, the aroma. So in and out, one of my favorite places. All right, kids, this one is a little bit more challenging, but I think you're going to get it. I hope. Ready? Take a look. Wendy's! Wow, you're smart. No problem, right? Wendy's. I thought that was going to be a little bit trickier, but you're right. Wendy's. All right. Okay. I think this is going to be a little bit more challenging. A little bit more. All right, kids? Ready? Take a look. Chipotle. I think I heard some of the older kids. Chipotle. So Chipotle, right? We all love our Chipotle. All right, kids, ready? Okay, all right, so we're getting a little bit more challenging. Ready? Take a look. Chevron, I heard Chevron. It was another deep voice, Chevron. <laughs> the kids, you know, the gas station, the gas station, the gas station, right? So Chevron. All right. You ready? Okay, okay. This is a little bit more challenging now. Ready? Take a look. Oh. It's like Walmart. Oh, yeah, we, we've been there. Yeah, we go there every day. Walmart. All right, kids, ready? I got, I've got two more, okay? This next one, I think it's a little bit harder, but you're all smart. Ready? Take a look. Lowe's. Lowe's. I think I heard a Home Depot. No, that one's orange. I almost was going to use Home Depot, but it was just a square orange or an orange square. Okay, kids, I've got one more for you. This is the best one, all right? The best one. I hope at least one of you gets it. Take a look. E-Free Church! Yes! Signs are important. Because when you see those crosses along Diamond Bar Boulevard, you know it's time to turn in. Signs, they tell us what's ahead. Well, you know, many, many years ago, God gave us a sign, and we looked at that sign this morning. In the Old Testament book of Isaiah, 
We read this in chapter 7 this morning, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God is with us. And he's here with us through his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, we said this morning, is the solution. So God gave the sign. And the sign pointed to the solution. And the solution is Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus Christ is a solution to all our fears and doubts. He's a solution to all of our failures and mistakes. And most importantly, he's a solution to all of our sins and transgressions. The reason why Jesus came into the world is because you and I needed a Savior. I hope you understand that. Christmas is a wonderful time. It's festive. You see, we, we know the reason why we celebrate Christmas is because God sent his son Jesus into the world, and he came into the world because we needed a Savior. God, in his perfect love, his perfect mercy, he provided the only way of salvation through his son. That is the message of Christmas. And the message of Christmas is one of hope. It's one of hope. You see, light came into the world. We sang that. Light came into the world so that you and I no longer have to live in darkness. And tonight, I want to share the final two points of this two-part message. Point number three tonight is the surprise. The surprise. Now, I know many of you cannot wait to open your Christmas gifts tomorrow morning. Maybe some of you open them on Christmas Eve. I don't know. But I know you cannot wait to open your gifts. It's fun opening gifts, not knowing what's inside. We love the anticipation of ripping open that wrapping paper and that box and seeing such a good surprise. Now, some years ago, one of our friends, uh, she posted a picture of her child's Christmas gift wish list. And she posted it on Facebook for all of her friends to see. And she did so because now our friend, at that time, her son, he, he was mature beyond his years. He wrote this wish list when he was tiny. I think he was maybe, I don't know, four or five years old, really, really young. But he, he was so mature beyond his years, and uh, he kind of categorized his wish list. He had, like, stocking stuffers. And then he had a category called impossibles. Like, he's going to put it up there for his parents, knowing that there's no way on earth he's going to get those gifts. But he wanted to include them. And so I'm going to, in a second, I'm going to show you the actual list that our friend posted on Facebook that was written by her son some years ago. And it might be a little difficult to read, so I'm going to read it for you. But go ahead and take a look up here, okay? So this is the actual Christmas gift wish list. And on the top, you see a stocking, right? So it says, stocking stuffers. And the first stocking stuffer he wanted was a Pokemon location card booster pack. Right? So that's just a stocking stuffer. The second one, Icebreaker's Lemon Gum. 
That's a good stocking stuffer. And then thirdly, orange icebreakers. Now, the next list is called impossibles, and he put two asterisks next to it. Okay, and then down below, you might not be able to see from where you are, but down below it says things I want but can't have. Reasons known or unknown. So this is what he wrote. So his list of wishes, the first one is a puppy. The second, a smartphone. And thirdly, world peace. Brilliant. I think he was, again, maybe four or five years old. He wanted a puppy, a smartphone, and world peace. Now, I don't know if he ever got his puppy. But hopefully he was pleasantly surprised that particular Christmas. Now, speaking of surprises, I imagine most of us here have attended a white elephant gift exchange, right? At one time or another, we've attended a white elephant Christmas gift exchange, and those are always fun. Our life group here at church, a few weeks ago, we had our annual white elephant Christmas gift exchange, and I got to tell you, I had not laughed that much in a long time. We had such a blast opening up these gifts, and it's so much fun because you don't know what you're going to go home with. Now, in case you didn't know, the term white elephant gift exchange, it referred to an impractical gift that was extravagant, that could not be easily disposed of, all right? So a white elephant gift exchange referred to a gift, an extravagant gift that could not be easily disposed of. You see, once upon a time, the king of Siam, Siam, which is now known as Thailand, the king of Siam, he would give rare albino elephants as gifts to the members of his court that he did not like. It's kind of like when, you know, you, know, you give uh, a drum set to your friend to give to their kid. And so, on the surface, it would appear like it was a gift of honor. But in reality, the recipient's life would become miserable because a king would gift that person with this white elephant. Now, elephants eat a lot of food, and they need a lot of place and space to roam, and you have to clean up after them, after they eat their food. And so, elephants are impractical. They can't sleep on your bed, like your dog or your cat. These days, white elephant gift exchanges are fun because you never know what you're going to go home with. And at our gift exchange, it, we just had so much fun. And we got to steal gifts from one another. And we got to take home these precious white elephant gifts. Regardless of what you get at a white elephant gift exchange, it's a surprise. You just don't know. Well, did you know that the birth of Jesus was full of surprises? For example, the choice of parents was a complete surprise. Mary and Joseph. God chose two of the most unlikely individuals to raise the Savior of the world. Now, if you were on a search committee, 
to find the right parents to raise the king of kings. My guess is Mary and Joseph would have been very low on your list. They may not have even made your list. You know, from a human standpoint, Mary and Joseph didn't make sense at all. Of all the people that God could have chosen to raise the Savior of the world, here's who he chose. He chose an unwed teenager engaged to a man who had no upward mobility in his job. That's whom God chose to raise the Savior of the world. And the world wasn't expecting this. It caught them by surprise. Just like the birthplace of Jesus caught people by surprise. You know, Jesus was born in a tiny little town called Bethlehem. Bethlehem was so small, so insignificant that when Joshua in the Old Testament allotted the towns to the various tribes after conquering Canaan, Bethlehem was not even mentioned. It was so tiny. And yet God, in his sovereignty, chose this little town to be the birthplace of the Savior of the world. The Old Testament book of Micah says this, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. So Jesus would be born in this tiny town called Bethlehem. But there was an issue, a problem. A week before he was to be born, Mary and Joseph were 90 miles away in Nazareth. 90 miles is a long way to drive. Try walking that in treacherous, mountainous terrain when you're nearly nine months pregnant. And so Mary and Joseph made the long journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem because that is where it was prophesied that the Savior of the world would be born. And when they arrived, here's what happened. In the Gospel of Luke, it tells us in chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Now, popular tradition tells us that Mary and Joseph stayed in an inn, like uh, the Bethlehem Inn and Suites. That's popular tradition. But in reality, they actually most likely stayed in the home of Joseph's relatives. Now, when they arrived at the relative's home, I want you to picture Bethlehem is a very hilly place. And so back then, they would actually construct homes along the hillside. And when you construct homes along the hillside, those homes have various terraces, different levels. So in a typical home in Bethlehem, what you would have is on the top level, you would have the guest room. Because as Relatives would travel into town. They would often stay in the top level. The middle level, the main level, is where the family stayed. And then down below, 
The bottom level is where they would bring in the animals at nighttime. So yes, in Bethlehem, the homeowners slept under the same roof as their animals did. Except they weren't cats and dogs. They were sheep and donkeys. Now Joseph and Mary, when they arrived, they came to discover that the guest room upstairs was completely occupied. Other people were there. And so they had no choice but to stay down below with the animals. This was a setting for the humble birth of the Savior of the world. Jesus wasn't born in the Four Seasons. He wasn't born at the Ritz-Carlton. Jesus wasn't born at St. Jude Hospital. He wasn't born in Kensington Palace among royalty. He was born amongst animals on the bottom level of a humble home in a tiny town called Bethlehem. It's remarkable. No one expected that. It was a surprise to all. And speaking of surprises, let's talk about the birth announcement of all the people to be the first ones to receive this important announcement. It wasn't the grandparents. It wasn't the friends. The first ones to receive the news of the birth of the Savior of the world were shepherds out in the field. Not royalty, not government officials, not religious leaders. The first to hear the news of the Savior's birth were shepherds. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, verses 8 through 11, it says this, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now you've got to understand, at that time, shepherds had a bad reputation. In particular, religious leaders looked down upon shepherds because shepherds were often doing their work on the Sabbath. The announcement of the birth of the Savior came to shepherds. When the angel appeared to the shepherds, they were afraid, they were terrified. And can you blame them? Because with their bad reputation, when the angel appeared to them, they were probably thinking, what did we do wrong this time? They were accustomed to be looking down upon. And so of all the people to hear the good news, why shepherds? Why would God choose shepherds of all people, to be the first ones to receive the good news of the birth of the Savior of the world. Well, here's the reason why. God wanted to make it very clear 
that the good news is available to all. No matter our background, no matter our upbringing, no matter our social status, the good news is available for all people. Not for some, not for the privileged few, for all people. You see, God knew what he was doing when he sent the angel to announce the birth of the Savior to lowly shepherds. You see, the Bible tells us that Jesus was both the good shepherd and the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. So it was only fitting that the news came first to shepherds who watch over sheep. And these shepherds, after getting over the initial shock, they heard the multitude of angels proclaiming glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Peace and rest. Those are two words I think most of us hope to experience the day after Christmas. Peace and rest after all the dishes are washed. Peace and rest. In the Old Testament, it was prophesied that the Messiah would be the prince of what? Peace. In the New Testament, the word peace is often connected with rest. In the Gospels, Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. This morning I shared that for many here, you were burdened. Some of you here tonight, you have loved ones who are in the hospital. Some of you here tonight, you have strained family relationships. Some here tonight, you are uncertain about what lies ahead in 2024. Some of you here tonight, you're struggling with anxiety and depression and you're walking in darkness. The answer to every one of those scenarios is who? Jesus. In every scenario, it is Jesus. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. The yoke was his device that connected oxen together. And Jesus says, come here next to me, put my yoke on you, and let me do the heavy lifting. Tonight, Jesus says, it's not your job to be burdened by the things of this life. Come to me, and I will take on that burden for you. So my friends, tomorrow we will get through Christmas. 
Your roast will come out perfect. Your house will be clean and spotless. And everyone's going to pitch in to clean it, right? Jesus says, come to me. You know why? He says, I've already taken the biggest burden off of you. I bore it on the cross. Nothing else really compares to that. He's already carried the burden of our sin when he humbled himself. And that brings us to the fourth and final point in the story of our Savior, the sacrifice. Jesus came into this world to die for you and for me. In Philippians chapter 2, we read these words in verses 5 through 8. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus emptied himself to become a servant. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. And the question that I would like for us to consider tonight is this. What did Jesus empty himself of? I'd like you to ponder that question internally. What did Jesus empty himself of? He did not empty himself of his divine attributes. Jesus never stopped being God the Son. So what did he empty himself of? Here's the answer. Jesus emptied himself of his privileges. He yielded his rights. If you would like to be like Jesus, and I hope you do, here's how we can do so tomorrow on Christmas Day. When you gather with loved ones or friends, if you would like to be like Jesus on Christmas Day, here's how we can be like him. We can honor others above ourselves. That's what Romans chapter 12, verse 10 tells us. We can submit to one another. That's what Ephesians 5, verse 21 tells us. And we can look to the interest of one another. That's what Philippians 2, verse 4 tells us. You know, this Christmas, may we celebrate the birth of our Lord by demonstrating the humility he modeled for us. That is my one encouragement to all of us here tonight. If we want to be like Jesus, Tomorrow and every day, may we celebrate the birth of our Lord 
by demonstrating the humility that he modeled for us. And speaking of humility, I want to take a moment, if I may, to thank the many faithful staff, leaders, and volunteers of E-Free Church who work so tirelessly week in and week out. And your leaders, your staff members, and the volunteers, they worked so tirelessly this Christmas season to make it a special one, and it has been a special one. Can we thank them? Can we thank them right now? The one characteristic that is clearly evident in our leaders and volunteers here at Efree Church is their Christ-like humility. And that's why it's an absolute joy for me to serve alongside our team. Their Christ-like humility is clearly evident in all they do. Thank you for being here tonight on this Christmas Eve. We're not quite done yet because in just a minute, I'm going to invite you to make your way out of our worship center. On your way out, you'll receive a candle and then a round paper that you can go ahead and put your candle through so that the paper will catch the wax. As you make your way down, we're going to gather right here by the live nativity scene. And uh, I would encourage you to go ahead and make your way down, and then we'll light your candles down there. Hopefully the winds will stay away. Parents with little ones, we have uh, nice, safe electronic candles for them if you would like. And so as you make your way out, please receive a candle and a paper. Also, we have lyric sheets available for you because we're going to sing a few special Christmas songs by candlelight out in our parking lot. And so, I invite you all to stand this time, and we'll make our way out onto the parking lot. We'll see you out there. <laughs> 